Well, good morning. It's good to be back. Last week, Brooke shared a sermon uh, about a word that is commonly thrown around during Christmas time. Anybody remember what that was? Peace. Does anybody remember her statement that her whole sermon was built around? It can't be Pastor Nina or any of the other staff. Nobody can do it? Just say it out. Shout it out. Oh, so sad. So sad. Well, it's this. Peace is not a state of mind, but a status with God. Today I'm going to continue on that theme of Christmas words. Uh, today, our word is joy. And you can see Advent, whoop, whoop, jingle, boop. Can you uh, get us to the next, next slide? Ayo. Literally joy. That's my niece. Her name's Joy. So, literally joy. Uh, Brooke failed to mention last week that this whole theme was her idea. So applause to Brooke. The idea of Christmas words being our theme for Advent. So last week she had peace. I'm having joy. And then next week I'm going to steal Nino's thunder a little bit. He's talking about hope. So some great words. Um, But yeah, today when I'm talking about joy, I want to answer three questions. Okay? Question number one is, what is biblical joy? Question number two is why we have a reason to be full of joy anyways. And the last one is how we shall have joy. So basically, what joy, why joy, how joy, right? And before I get started, I'm going to pray. So Jesus, thank you. Thank you for this, uh, this morning. And uh, we just pray for just a wonderful time, uh, just learning about what you have for us today, God. And I just pray that you'll speak through me uh, for everybody, uh, and that it won't just be Elliot's words, but it'll be your words today, God. Uh, and uh, uh, speak to people beyond what I have uh, in my notes to share. And in Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, joy is a word that is uh, thrown around often like peace during the holidays, right? Uh, we understand the basic concept. I think we all get it. We'll get to some definitions in a minute. I think you're going to be blown away by how you already know the answer, right? So it's kind of like happiness, but more, right? Uh, and we have a lot to be happy about during the season, right? Your students, classes get out for a little bit, got a little vacation, right? You can sleep in, yummy treats at home. You don't have to go to work if you're working. Get time with family. That's either a good or a bad thing, depending on (laughs) what your family's like. Uh, You get to open presents, or maybe you get to give presents. You get to go skating if you're part of my family or sledding, which is a heck of a lot of fun, especially when it's at night. Got the lights shining out over the hill that are right outside your door, and you... Yeah, it's fun. Good time. <laughs> Decorating a Christmas tree, that's a pretty uh, joyful thing, right? And, you know, the, the more spiritual awoke of us, you know, spiritual wokeness of us, may actually even recognize that what the Christmas season is all about, you know, Christ Jesus is uh, celebrating his birth and uh, looking forward to his second advent. Uh, but regardless, I think most of us, uh, myself especially, have a hard time feeling joy during Christmas. Any other Ebenezer Scrooges in the house? You can show Ebenezer Scrooge on the screen. Oh, yeah, there he is. <laughs> look, at, look at how he has, like, hair on his nose, too. It's kind of gross. Does anybody, everybody know who Ebenezer Scrooge is? Yes, maybe. 
basically, Ebenezer Scrooge, he's uh, from A Christmas Carol, is the, uh, it's a play. Um, it's, uh, he's a mean-spirited, selfish old man who hates Christmas. He hates Christmas. And one cold Christmas Eve, Scrooge is unkind to the people who work for him then refuses to give charity and is rude to his nephew who invites him to spend Christmas with him. Anyways, the story goes, he kind of gets changed. He has a change of heart and ends up kind of not, Christmas isn't so bad at the end. But anyways, you know, some people are wired by smiling all the time. You know, they're wired to smile. You got the Josiahs in the house. The, they're always kind of cheerful, right? They wake up in the morning, sing songs. And then there's the other people like myself who just, the morning is evil. And we hate those people. Not, not really hate them, but we're like, why? Why do you sing songs in the morning? We don't, we don't want to do this. You know, joy, joy is not a temperament. Uh, you know, we aren't born with joy. Uh, and some, some have it and some don't. Nor is it like a, a fake in it, like where you're like underneath, you're like all sort of turmoil, but you're like on the surface, you're like, yeah, I'm good, I'm having a good time. That, that's not joy. And even the most joyful of us have our bad moments. Can I share a story about you, Josiah, from Friday? Yeah. <laughs> Josiah is typically a very cheerful person, as you all know, right? Well, Josiah had a bad afternoon on Friday. This is why I asked him to, to, to share, because he was hangry. He hadn't had his lunch, and he had to play the bass, and he was not very, he was really hard on himself. He's like, I'm the worst bassist ever, can't play bass, why do I even try to do this? Well, he had a cheeseburger, and that fixed the issue. <laughs> so, no longer hangry, right? But like, I share that, because even the most cheerful of us have our bad moments, right? Anyways. So let's, uh, let's get into some definitions. Next slide. Ooh, joy, a feeling of great pleasure and happiness. I think we all get the idea, right? Rejoice, feeling or showing great joy or delight. You know what? Those are really simple. I don't need to spend any more time on those. So we're going to keep going. Um, let's uh, open our Bibles. Luke 2, um, 10 to 11. And this is going to be our main passage for the day. Um, so once you get there, say uh, Advent, I guess. <laughs> Advent, all right. And if you get there again, say joy. All right, so Luke 2, 10 through 11. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you great news, sorry, good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Good news of great joy for all the people. Can you go to the next slide, I think? Ooh, yeah, there it is. You got some shepherds, you got an angel, and a fox dog thing, whatever that is. Uh, <laughs> he's, he's just chilling, enjoying the show. Uh, I, I <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> some sort of canine thing, maybe feline. Uh, but yeah, I, I just, you know, Nina loves artwork, and I don't usually make PowerPoints for, for my sermons, but I figured, you know what, let's do one this week. And so I found a picture. So as we're talking about this, you can just leave that up for now. Um, but yeah, great joy. 
is how most translations use this phrase. The Living Bible, which is a paraphrase, not a translation. Chris makes sure I'm very specific about this. It says it's the most joyful news ever announced. Most joyful news. And there's something about the joy that the angels are talking about here, right? That is different than we, we usually think of as joy. You know, we, we remember the definition, a feeling of great pleasure, delight, um, and happiness. That's not necessarily great joy. Great joy is above that, beyond that, right? Um, and I'm going to just kind of throw out a bunch of verses here. Not throw out necessarily, but you, you get the idea. You don't have to turn here with me, but Romans 15, 13 is one of them. It says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. But all joy and peace. Right? James 1, 2 so chapter 1, verse 2. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Pure joy, right? First Peter 1, 6. In this you greatly rejoice. He's also talking about trials in that section. All, and all these are talking about, it's like all joy, pure joy, great joy, greatly rejoice. They all are trying to describe the type of joy we are to feel as Christians. It is joy to the fullest, Complete joy, perfect joy, right? That's a little intimidating to think about. You know, perfect joy. What does that even look like? What does that, what does that mean for us? What's that? Go back a slide. Why is that? Oh, <laughs> she is actually, my niece is perfect joy. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> she is precious, by the way. She, uh, yeah. I'm not allowed to have favorite nieces, but if I was, she would be. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, uh, there's a really great kind of description uh, as I was reading. I, I, whenever I'm working on sermons, I like to just read kind of articles on what other people think, right? And I came across one, and I think it's on really, really, really generic, Christianity.com. Uh, but the, uh, the person who wrote it is called Mel Walker, and if you can put the, the next slide. Uh, she says, simply put, biblical joy is choosing to respond to external circumstances with inner contentment and satisfaction. Because we know that God will use these experiences to accomplish his work in and through our lives, right? So there's something about this too. That's, it's more than just a feeling. It is a feeling. Uh, you know, we sometimes like to redefine words around here and we completely take them different. Like, you know, love is not an emotion. It is a choice. Of course, there's an emotional part of it, but it's more the choice. Now, joy is a feeling, but also a choice. But it is a feeling. We feel joy, right? But it is also a choice. Joy is not just cheeriness, happiness, and gladness. Joy is not based on your circumstances. Joy is based on something far greater. In fact, true joy, true joy can only be found in God. Forget any inclination that the fullest of joy can be found in things that get apart from him. Because they can't. They physically can't. They can provide you some sense of what joy is like, you know. But apart from God, you can't know full joy. So let's go into why. Why do we have joy? What's, what's the reason? And uh, um, Luke 2.10, it references that great joy is because of good news, right? Gospel. Uh, and in Matthew, when uh, the, the Magi also have the same announcement, it's the same phrase, good news of great, 
great joy, right? So there's something about this relationship between uh, the gospel, the good news, and joy. And guess what? I have a little handy-dandy prop today that I'm going to share. And this thing doesn't want to come out of its box. And I don't want to break it. So ooh, ooh, there it goes. Those of us who uh, have been to Dearborn before will remember this. It's called the Evangel Cube. It's a very clever little name. See? Got little images on it. It's a little handy-dandy tool. So uh, I'll uh, do a, like a one-minute version of the gospel. Ready for this? For the wages of sin is death, right? And the gift of God is everlasting life. Basically, all humanity is uh, uh, separated from God because of uh, sin, right? And because of our sin, uh, and because of the separation, we're destined for hell, not heaven. However, Jesus died on the cross, right? Right? Jesus died on the cross. And because he, and when he died on the cross, he was buried, put in the tomb. They rolled the stone over. And then what happened? He arose from the dead. And after he arose from the dead, he provided a bridge, a, a way for us to be uh, uh, basically restored. To get, remember the piece that Brooke was talking about uh, last week? That's this right here. And now, where we were before, you know, destined for destruction because of our sin, because of Jesus' death now, he has uh, provided a way for us to heaven and to be in eternal, eternal relationship with him. And then the last one's this one, this nice little cute one with a little heart, a little praying guy, a little Bible fellowship. And this one I've I tried for a minute to figure out what it was. It's a little a world with a cross. And I realized, oh, it's missions. That's what it is. Um, but this is, this is the, the last little part of the cube. Um, but that's, that's the, you know, the, the gospel in a nutshell. And, and if I was a little bit better at this, I could uh, even give you the verses for each of the, the sides. But maybe I can just hand this around. Uh, you guys can look at it. Uh, it's a great tool if you're uh, doing evangelism, but just be careful with it. It's a little, little delicate. Um, you know, and you're probably all thinking now, Elliot, why the heck are you talking about Easter stuff? Because that, you know, is Easter stuff. But Jesus would not have been able to die on the cross if he wasn't born first, right? And he wouldn't have been born if he wasn't going to die on the cross. They are not separate things. They are, in fact, related. And when we talk about the word Advent, we're usually talking about the word season, the, the, the season of Advent, right? The holiday. However, Advent just means arrival. Arrival of a notable person or thing. And for the Jewish people in the Bible that we read about during Christmas, Jesus being born was the fulfillment of thousands of years of prophecy. They knew he was going to come, and they hoped for his coming. And here he was. He had come. And of course, the gospel is more than just uh, Christ saving us from our sins. It's also us being adopted as children by the creator of the universe so that we can spend eternity with him. Right? So I always love to think of this because most of the time when we think of uh, being saved by God, we think of the, the, the legal aspect of it. You know, we, we were sinners and he saved us. Absolutely right. He saved us from our sin. But beyond that, he also adopted us as children. We're now part of the family of God, right? There's two parts of that. And we always forget one sometimes and don't remember the other. And I like to, like to make sure that's clear. Um, That's the good news. Great joy cannot be separated from the good news. Without the good news, there cannot be joy. 
Also, in addition, did you notice who the joy would be for in uh, Luke 2.10? said, all the people. Or I like to say, all the peoples. Everyone is included in this opportunity to participate in this joy. Nothing you have done in life negates you from being able to have joy in the good news. Your background, your cultural or societal upbringing, your history, your status, none of that keeps you from the joy that God has for you. Just repent of your sin and follow Jesus. Bada bing, bada boom, right? <clears throat> so Brooke stated last week that the peace is the status with God. And from that peace that we have now, that's the reason for joy. If there is no peace, there can no joy. Let me put the next slide up. Joy is the result of being restored to peace with God. You can write that one down. <clears throat> and now for the last question. How? How the heck am I supposed to have joy? And this is the challenging part, because we know we should have joy, right? We know it intellectually. We even may sometimes feel joy. Um, how, how? Like, where does it come from, right? Do we have to work it up inside of us? Or how do we express joy? What's the proper expression of joy, right? Uh, and if you're anything like me, Feeling joy for more than a moment is like trying to catch the wind. It's easy to feel joy when something amazing happens, right? You know, uh, I've never had my own uh, child, but I'm sure parents understand this. When they have children, that is, even though it's a painful moment, it is also an immensely joyful moment, right? Um, also, I was thinking of this. Uh, and the, you guys know The Incredibles? When uh, Mr. Incredible lifts the car, and there's that little kid on the tricycle, and he's like, that was amazing, Right? It's easy to feel joy when something amazing happens. But most of us already know that m the most amazing thing has happened, right? And it's happening all the time. There's so much to be joyful about, yet we often struggle to rejoice. Joy coming from the conditional things around us is only a fleeting emotion, right? Just like anger, glee, sadness, or other emotions. True joy doesn't depend on circumstances, even the best of circumstances. Does it make sense? Put up the next slide. The source of biblical joy is not from our surroundings, but the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us. I'll say that again, and write it down if you're taking notes. The source of biblical joy is not from our surroundings, but the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us. Joy is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. I think uh, Pastor Chris probably talked about uh, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, or maybe that was you, Pastor Nino. Like one of us did earlier on in the, in the school year. Um, <clears throat> and uh, as proof here, I'm going to read you a little passage. Galatians 5, 22 to 23. You can, I think, I don't know if I have actually this one up on the slide. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, Against this thing, there is no law. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. And it's included in that list, right? Uh, and John Piper does a great job explaining. I think this, this, I do have this on a slide. Ooh, John the Man Piper. Do you guys know who John Piper is? If you don't know who John Piper is, he's the man. Just, just who he is. He's a, he's a great preacher. I think he's a part of the Baptist church. Uh, but he's, he's awesome. I grew up listening to him. My parents would uh, put him on. We usually we had like tapes of John Piper. <laughs> 
If you guys know what a cassette tape is, then you're, you, you, you can relate. Uh, anyways, joy, is, this is from him, is a good feeling in the soul produced by the Holy Spirit as he causes us to see the beauty of Jesus in the word and in his works. It's a good feeling produced by the Holy Spirit, right? Um, what does that mean? That means you cannot produce joy inside of yourself. Nor can things produce joy for you. Only the Holy Spirit. When we become a follower of Jesus, repent of our sins and believe in him, his spirit lives inside of you. True joy's source is that. Uh, so I'm going to look at a few more passages. Uh, one of them is uh, um, from Luke 1. Um, I'm skipping the, so it's 26 through 56. I'm skipping the 26 through 38. Uh, that's basically when the angel Gabriel comes to Mary and is like, yo, you're going to have a kiddo. He's going to be Jesus. And she's like, how will this be since I'm a virgin? And he's like, okay, the Holy Spirit's going to do it. Yep, we all know that. We've read it a million times, right? Um, but <clears throat> what I wanted to talk about was when Mary visits Elizabeth and then her uh, song of praise afterwards. So it's uh, Luke 1, 39 to 56. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town, a town, I don't know what a town is, but a town in Judea. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped, leapt in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be fulfillment in what was spoken to her. And then Mary's song of praise. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. And for behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. And holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in their thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, and as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with Elizabeth for three months and returned home. So a few things I want to notice. First thing, I think I actually, uh, you can, there's a picture I think next. Ooh, yeah, there we go. It's Mary on the left, Elizabeth on the right. I thought this was a really pretty picture of just, there's, there's a lot of art about this moment, and most of it's a little bit weird. Like, there is one, uh, the, the, the actually Mary and Elizabeth are great, but there's a dude, like, in the background with his eyes, like, <laughs> and I was like, I, I don't want to show that. So I, th I thought this one was really pretty, simple, and it's joyful, right? Uh, some, medieval and earlier art, it, it's a little strange. I love it, but it's a little strange. Uh, anyways, I wanted to, notice, wanted to notice a few things. Um... In verse 41, it says, Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit produced joy, the joyful response of Elizabeth and John. 
their responses to Mary's arrival were joyful. You know, John leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth had this uh, exclamation about who Mary is, right? Uh, and it, it literally says she is filled with the Holy Spirit and declaring things over Mary. Uh, and you, you can assume that John was also filled with the Holy Spirit when he was leaping for joy. Uh, and, you know, of course, they would have been excited to see Mary and discover she was pregnant because they wouldn't have known at this point that she was pregnant. Uh, she pretty, the, the Bible says she left immediately to go to Elizabeth's house and she just found out she was going to be pregnant, right? <clears throat> and uh, you know how ladies get when they find out each other get pregnant, right? They get real excited. <laughs> but they didn't know, right? The Holy Spirit showed this to them. Not only was she pregnant, but the, also that she was pregnant with their long-expected Savior. And not only that, the Holy Spirit, according to this passage, inspired their joyful responses. Their rejoicing was spirit-inspired joy. And the same goes with Mary's uh, song of worship. Uh, I've always read that and been like, wow, she's having a little bit of like pride in her thing. But that's not the case. She's not actually being prideful. Because uh, you've got to remember who she's talking about. She's not talking about herself. She's talking about God. She is expressing her joy to God. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Remember, God, my Savior to her is that baby in her womb. Uh, and Mary's song resembles in style David's psalms. And just like the psalms, it gives us a model for worship. Uh, you know, Mary's song also gives us an example of how to express joy, how to rejoice. Uh, let me just remember to say, okay, Holy Spirit inspires our joy. The response of joy is next, right? Um, uh, I'm not going to read all of Psalm 126, but I just wanted to, to read a few of the verses. One of them says, Our mouths are filled with laughter and our tongues with songs of joy. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. <clears throat> So just like, uh, you know, the source of biblical joy is from the Holy Spirit. You can go to the next slide. When we are filled with joy that comes from within, we are driven to express that joy with worship, right? Um, and the reason I wanted to, to show this is we can see this in Mary's uh, response. Like, she gets to Elizabeth's house, Elizabeth is like, yes! Now that was a confirmation for Mary as well. She's like, yo, I wasn't dreaming having, you know, crazy visions of an angel. You know, Elizabeth is confirming this. So she expresses her joy with worship. And so, uh, as we close today, I think we're going to sing a pretty hype song. So we're not going to really have an altar call. Uh, it's going to be a fun time here. Uh, but I, two people I want to talk to. First one is to you who are believers. Um, if you struggle to feel a joy during the Christmas season, like if you're like, man, I just... I. You're like me, an Ebenezer Scrooge. You're like, I, I don't like Christmas. I don't like the joy, the feel joy. I'm a bit pessimistic, you know. If you're like that, I just encourage you this next week and during Christmas time to pray for joy. Uh, just like we pray for other fruits of the Holy Spirit to God to fill us and to, uh, to move that within us, I encourage you to pray for joy. Uh, and also, choose to express joy this, this season. Uh, and that's hard because it takes an active effort, you know? Uh, one of the things you can do also is uh, don't complain, right? <laughs> it sounds easy. 
Sounds simple, but it's not easy. We like to complain, right? Uh, when you find yourself complaining this, this, this Christmas season, maybe uh, uh, try to make, make a note of it. Be like, okay, I was doing that. Let's instead try to express some joy this season. Um, and then those who are not, not believers today, if you're here, if you are discouraged by life and in need of a literal supernatural joy in your life because you're, you're just been beat by life, I just want to invite you to consider Jesus. Just consider him, you know? Read about him, learn about him. Uh, he will give you literal supernatural joy. So uh, as we're singing this next song, also I just, if, if you do need time to pray and you want to pray for joy, uh, you can come down to the front. It's not going to be a very altar timey song. So, <laughs> but you know what? It's going to be a joyful song. We're going to make a joyous, raucous noise. And, uh, and so, yeah, just, uh, yeah, that's, that's it. So let me pray really quick before we uh, get to the, the joyfulness. But uh, Jesus, we just thank you for, uh, thank you for the sermon. Thank you for joy. Thank you for uh, inspiring joy in our hearts and uh, filling us with joy from your Holy Spirit. Uh, and uh, we just pray that we will all be filled with joy uh, this Christmas season. Uh, and that even the most Scroogey of us will be uh, joyful. And uh, in Jesus' name, amen.